Layla. And this is the Better Than Seven Sons podcast. All right, welcome back, everyone. It's been a very long time, but we are back with a new episode and this one in particular is going to be special because we get to uh, interview La about the book that she helped write and is now published and out in the world called Learning Our Names. And so we're, I, I know I'm excited for today's conversation um, and hopefully we get some inside thoughts about writing her book. So La, how does it feel um, now that your book is out in the world? Yeah, so it's been really exciting that the book is out now. It took us so many years, like four years, since we first got together and brainstormed and talked about the book to the book finally being released. Um, so it took it took about four years. So it just took a really long time. And so it feels good to finally have it out there. Um I think leading up to the launch, there were like moments where it did feel a little scary, like mm. realizing that what I wrote in the book feels really vulnerable and that mm. people are going to read it and have their own thoughts about it and critiques and whatever. And that scared me for a little bit. So there was like a few weeks where I felt some anxiety around that as I was anticipating the launch of the book. Eventually, I, you know, I started to feel excited about it as we got closer to the date and um, as I communicated with like the other authors and we were planning a launch and everything. Um, and also just hearing stories of people who were already impacted by the book, um, mm-hmm. who read it in advance. Um, so that was really encouraging. So yeah, it's been good. Uh, it's been a really busy season with the launch because it's happening during a busy season of work as well. So uh, for the most part, I think I was able to celebrate well and just be in that moment of, I guess, being a published author. So, Mm. yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I had no idea it took four years. I think that's the length of my ministry career. (laughs) Oh, wow. I think it is. No way. That's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, we got together in November 2018, I believe. And that's basically when I started. <laughs> yeah. What? Wow, really? <laughs> no so. way. No, actually, I'm not quite. But yeah, anyways, <laughs> metaphor. Yeah. So it took some time. Like, we had to get a proposal in, and then that had to get approved. And then we started writing. Um, and that took some time because we wrote some, and then we got together and we would review what we were writing and all that stuff. And then we were like, we were making progress. And then the pandemic happened and just a a lot of things happened around that time uh pandemic george floyd anti-asian racism just things that we were like that made us not want to write anymore i think yeah (laughs) at least for me like i was like oh no like this is just getting harder to reflect and to write and i didn't feel like writing i didn't know what i was supposed to write at least the topics i wrote about were like directly related to those things but Mm -hmm. It, it, you know, like it just felt extra heavy to write. Like I just didn't have the energy to put into writing the book. So that slowed things down some more for us. Um, mm. Editing took some time too. So like mm. we edited, the book went into print after that. So all that took like a year as well. So, mm. um, wow. but I, I think when we first met with our editor, 
he did say it takes like two or three years for books to get released. Hmm. Like the whole pro- like the whole process if you were if you're writing on schedule, I guess. <laughs> um, we thought we took a long time, but we've heard that some people have taken much much longer to complete a book. So, so I feel like we we did good. <laughs> well, and the fact that you guys wrote it in the during the pandemic, like that's just mm-hmm. I still can't grasp that you guys were able to do that. There was like a sense uh, during the writing process because it felt long, and so there were moments where I was thinking, "Man, I I'm not good at this, or I'm not a good writer," but. I'm actually really glad that it took us that long because I felt like I grew in that process. Hmm. And so if I had just written what I wrote, like what I started writing in the beginning and say like if I finished that within a year, I don't know if that would have been really good. Hmm. (laughs) And I did feel like there's one story that I share about my dad that kind of comes full circle. And that last part at the end of that chapter that where I write about parents, that happened within this this past year, it was like a recent thing. So like if I had finished that book before that had happened, then I don't know if I would have finished my chapter the same way, but mm-hmm. I'm glad that I was able to include that in there. So mm-hmm. yeah, all the work that we went into writing, I think I I grew a lot and I'm glad I put that much effort into discerning, is this what I want to write? Do I, what do I need to change? So I'm glad I did do that Just because we, we went in knowing that there's aren't many Asian American books that deal with these topics we did feel some pressure to feel like we had to yeah, write everything and include everything. And so that felt like something I was carrying while I was writing too. So, mm. yeah. Well, with that, what challenged you as like an author for like an Asian American Christian audience? Yeah. So going off what I was saying, when we wrote the book, one of the things we talked about at the beginning was that previous books that were written tend to be more East Asian heavy, like the influences into those books. And we wanted a book that included more experiences, included more um, Asian American communities. That was the purpose of the book or purpose for why we wanted to write the book. I <laughs> I felt a lot of pressure to include all voices, which would have been impossible, right? Yeah. Um, because not only do different communities have different experiences, but individuals, right? Like within the community, like we all have different experiences as well. And so that was really hard. I think, you know, like you want to satisfy everyone when you write. Mm -hmm. Um, I think something I also hear is that first time writers tend to feel like they need to write everything. I felt that like, I felt like we had to represent every voice, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't able to include every voice or every story. And um, there were moments where I felt guilt for not doing mm. that uh, because I was thinking, okay, I'm aware of this, but I'm not doing it. So I just, it felt hypocritical to me, I guess, you know. Mm. Um, mm. I think that was the ch- most challenging thing was to do that. And then I think also trying to write for a pretty large age group, people like 18 plus to maybe like mid thirties or so. Like I think we hope the book would be relevant to that age group, which is a pretty wide range mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's two different generations in there um yep. and so that was a little tricky and there were moments where I went back and forth with some topics where I was thinking is this <clears throat> even so relevant is do people even experience this anymore I don't know you know like hmm. I felt too old <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm not that old but I felt too old sometimes to write some things um a little bit of insecurity I think around that um as I was writing so that was hard mm. 
I mean, I feel like you kind of alluded to this about it being difficult in writing for such a wide audience. What was it like to write about these topics with the target audience that you you all had in mind as among American Christian women in particular? Because you're sharing of yourself mm-hmm. and your stories. And so I'm sure that was a great tension as well. So there were some moments where I felt like my experience wasn't relatable hmm. to others. And I was I wasn't sure if I should write it sometimes. So I feel like that's like a lie that I, I felt mm. growing up. Um, like for me, I felt pressure to be more relatable being mm. Hmong American in general, right? Like when you're Asian American in a very white community, mm-hmm. uh, like you don't want to be the perpetual foreigner. So you try to make yourself more relatable yeah. or you only show that side of yourself. I felt that a little bit when even when I was writing, mm. even though I was writing to like a wider Asian American audience. But I think just that the element where being a Southeast Asian woman or among American women, like sometimes feeling out of place even within the Asian American community. Mm. Like there were like a little bit of that in there. But just like I had moments where that kind of crept up on me where I was thinking, oh, I'm writing about like my parents' refugee experience or and maybe how that impacted me. Mm-hmm. Or like I'm using examples from my community, but is that relatable to other Asian American communities? Mm-hmm. Should that matter or not? I don't know. Like, uh, that was hard um, sometimes. And I wrestled with that as I was writing. And there was a part of me that wanted to be relatable in some ways. And mm. and I, I do feel like people have been really affirming where they people said, like, oh, I read your parts. I'm not Asian American or I'm not Hmong, but I, I really, like, resonated with it. And that was really um, affirming to hear mm. that from people. Um I think as I was writing too, I wanted to really write what I know well, mm-hmm. um, to write from that. And yeah, I just wanted to be able to do that freely. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I felt like this book was a place where I could do that. Even though in my head, <laughs> I was telling myself, no, you can't do that. But I knew that that's what we wanted to do with this book, you know, for mm-hmm. us to mm-hmm. figure out what our voice is and write it and know our experiences and our stories and be able to share that with others. But we, we recognize that, hey, we're not, <laughs> we definitely don't represent everyone. And so this is what we know. This is our experience. And this is what we want to share uh, mm-hmm. with the world. So, um, yeah. I really enjoyed your chapters. I can't remember them fully, but I remember as I was like reading them, mm-hmm. I think what was interesting, and I think maybe it's to your core is that you were sharing stories, but like not as like, oh, here's my interpretation, here's the story. It was, like, very integrated. Mm -hmm. Like, you were sharing out of the experience as, like, your your wealth of knowledge was out of the story and the experience, Mm -hmm. but you also shared the experience and did the storytelling of it, too. So Mm -hmm. that's what I really enjoyed because I think there was something about reading it. I was like, oh, I I feel like I understand this. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, it made sense to me. Okay. Um, So, like, that's very, like, you know, high level, but I think... I remember the feeling. I was like, oh, this like makes made sense. I don't know what I'm talking okay, about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, um, it actually means a lot coming from you, Ashley, that you say that because I know <laughs> I know what you're talking about. Like, okay. um, like I know you hate when people have a personal story and they make it fit whatever message they're trying to mm-hmm. uh, teach. Because um, I know you've been critical of that. <laughs> so, 
Yes. So it's like really <laughs> meaningful that you mm. coming from you that you mm. that you like that. I didn't know I was known for being critical of that. No, I mean no, I I have memories. You've you've mentioned on this podcast before. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh oh. Okay. Anywho, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, that's actually. not a bad thing. Yeah. I think that's a good <laughs> yeah. criticism about like sermons and whatever. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I I really enjoyed how you did it in the book. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. One of the things that I appreciated about one of your chapters, um, in particular, was knowing our parents. Just because as we get older, I feel like. I don't know about y'all, but, and I, I, I mean, I feel like we all have been on this journey. We've talked a lot about that mm-hmm. in our past episodes about just like our relationships with our parents. And I just felt like reading that chapter, it, it I got really emotional and I appreciated it. And in one of the parts of the Knowing Our Parents, um, you mentioned T. Bowie's book. Mm -hmm. Um, documenting her family's past and discovering like just the sacrifices that her parents made and then you saying that like you went through a similar journey and so I was wondering I mean you and even in the book you didn't necessarily talk about the specific questions or even like take us through the entire journey because I'm sure it was it's it's a long journey Mm -hmm. but can you tell us more about that journey and like some of the questions that you asked your mom and how did you choose what to include in the book about what you learned about your mom? Mm-hmm. I mean, it definitely wasn't something that happened all in one conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I do it piece by piece, you know, where every once in a while we'll talk about something maybe related to their past or whatever. Uh, and then I'll just ask a question just to like press in a little bit more. I, I can't remember what my specific questions were, but, mm. um, and then if I felt like I could keep the conversation going, then I do. Um, but my mom, like, she wasn't opposed to answering questions. She wouldn't talk about it. She wouldn't just tell me. But if I asked her, she'll tell me. Um, but then she's also not really descriptive either when she tells me, like, respond to my questions. And so sometimes if I felt like I could, you know, try to press into that and get more details out of her, I would. But yeah, that's sort of like how each conversation went. So at least for me, asking my mom questions wasn't a really difficult thing. There are some things that I wonder about my mom and her story that I'm afraid to ask that I feel like might be too vulnerable. So I just don't go there and I don't know if I should or not. Maybe in its own time, it'll happen. Yeah, and then I did share in the book there was one time where my mom just openly just, you know, she just shared with me, like she initiated and she shared something with me. And that was exciting because I felt like it, it brought our relationship to a, a newer level. Mm-hmm. So I like that. It does, That doesn't happen all the time either. So it's not like we're just like sharing everything with each other all the time with each other. But um, but it was it was fun for her to share with me about one of her experiences growing up. Um. But yeah, it's it's definitely just a slow process. I do it here and there. I don't try to like rush it or try to get too much information out of my mom about her life all at once. Um, so um, so yeah, that's sort of what it looks like in the process. But usually, yeah, something just triggers something in me. Like if we were talking about something or we we're looking at photos or just like mm. whatever, and I was curious about something in her life or maybe something about bone culture or whatever, I'll just ask her. And then my dad, when he was alive, he was... I didn't get to ask him a lot of questions, 
but he always shares stories that he would exaggerate a lot mm-hmm. i think <laughs> which i don't know they were true so <laughs> so yeah so i i felt like if i had asked my dad some questions i think he would have been pretty open to sharing things too um, yeah i think he was like a natural storyteller like he would tell stories he didn't always tell us stories but i know in his conversations with like other folks he would just tell stories whether they were true or not <laughs> yeah. but i understand some people like some parents might not want to revisit some things um i don't know i feel like you just kind of have to feel it out and test it out too and see mm-hmm. how how much deeper you can get well it's funny that you share that a lot because i feel like when i ask well so the funny thing is my grandparents my mm-hmm. grandma's the extroverted one so um, if I ask, I get a very long story <laughs> and I might catch uh, most stuff uh, or sometimes she'll just like tell me things. Mm-hmm. Um, I've noticed, though, especially like um, being married and because um, my husband's not Hmong, but he's very curious. He'll ask questions. I feel like mm-hmm. I've heard more things. I don't know, like I've heard more details or they'll like take more time to like explain things. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. Vice versa with his side of the family, he, like they will share stories with me mm-hmm. and um, my husband would be like, I've never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I think that's like an, an interesting thing too is like sometimes it takes a certain like life uh, stage or maybe a certain thing that like will open up parents or grandparents to certain stories yeah um and that i feel like that's kind of like a bestowing of wisdom and wealth mm-hmm. too and so like a story wealth so mm-hmm. um, that was something i was thinking about i think that's a very monk thing too but yeah 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 no that's good i mean i la you you have said this repeatedly but it's it's a journey you know mm-hmm. so it is going to take our entire lifetime and there are going to be stories that we will never inherit and discover because Mm -hmm. because they were forgotten or it's too hard or Mm -hmm. it is too vulnerable Mm -hmm. um and I think if you read T. Bowie's book like you get the sense of like they do the best that they could do you know and Mm -hmm. like it'll come in waves and for them it's like recalling and remembering is not only hard but like it it comes in waves for them as well and so Mm -hmm. I think that's that's why it is a journey and that's why it's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The I mean, the purpose of the chapter is to help us to humanize our parents, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think for anyone who's becoming a parent for the first time, you're always thinking, I don't know what I'm doing, right? <laughs> and I was like, we have to remember our parents were probably thinking that too, but we don't yeah. think that of our parents. Yeah. At least, that, at least that's never crossed my mind growing up, right? Um and even as an adult, sometimes that didn't cross my mind. But hearing my mom's stories, like the more I hear her story, the more I I have to lament like her experiences too, because I think about how much I I get to do growing mm-hmm. up in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, not to like glorify the U.S. in any way, but just yeah, like I don't grow up in a place that's like war didn't disrupt my life the way it did for my mom. And I think about how much she lost as a young girl. I don't know. That makes me sad, you know, when I think about it. Because mm-hmm. I was thinking, could I give up other things that I've been able to experience here in the U.S.? No, that would be really hard. <laughs> like, I couldn't imagine giving those things up. Or if 
my life was so disrupted that I just didn't get to have any of that. Um, knowing my mom's story a little bit better, I think I have more compassion for my mom because of that. And yeah, and I think going off of what you mentioned, Kathy, like I also lament that I'm not going to know everything about my mom that I want to know. Like there's just so many more pieces to her story mm-hmm. that I wish I had. And I don't even know if I personally have the energy to go through that with her. Like I want to, but I'm thinking we would have to sit down and record a conversation with her. And there's there's a little bit of pressure to like, I need to do that soon, you know, before my yeah. mom, will my mom forget some things? Maybe, you yeah. know, but I think about doing that before she gets too old. And, but then I'm also like, man, I just, where do I find the time and energy to process all of that? Um, mm-hmm. Those are some things where I... I don't know what to think about it. Like, I know it's important, but I think I need to come to terms with that. I won't know everything or hear everything Mm -hmm. that I want to hear from my mom about her life. So I don't know, like, why it feels like there's a part, even though it's my mom's life, but it just feels like there is a part of me that's lost because of that, Mm -hmm. um, that I won't be able to recover. And so I think that's, that feels, I don't, yeah, I I can't really describe what that feels like. I think. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not quite fear, but I think there's a sadness or something about that. And it makes me wonder about always feel a little bit lost because of that. I think that's important. And I think Mm -hmm. that that's why I loved that you wrote it. And I love that you you all included in this book as it relates to our faith. Because I think that, like, especially for the younger Hmong Christian and, you know, younger Hmong community in general, like, I think as you think about life and faith and our parents, like, and is in particular in the church, it's like, this is, this is what's going to help us understand and express Christianity through our lens. Like, I think this, if we do this, if we start now, if you know, the sooner you start, like you, you said this in the book and you said this earlier of like, just, just start small, just start with one question because it is going to take a lifetime and there are going to be things that we don't recover, but like the more we, and here, the more we receive, I think the more it's going to shape and help us develop our own faith and identity and the intersection of all that. But also, like, it's going to influence how we contribute to the wider community. Mm-hmm. That exactly what you kept on saying that you guys hope that this book would do. And I think it just, I don't know. There's some, it's deep, but it, like, there's something mm-hmm. I think good about that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah um so i was wondering as you were writing this like what do you want the monk community to take away from the book so i mean the book is a it's, it's a christian book so it's we're writing about god and how that our faith intersects with a lot of these different topics so i think i'll speak more for the Hmong american christian community first and then maybe for the wider community, I'll say something. But hmm. um, at least for Hmong Christians, I just feel like growing up, I've never talked about any of these topics hmm. in this way before. Hmm. Um, like even just the topic of identity, like ethnic and cultural identity, like that didn't happen until I went to college. And the first time that I was able to talk about those things in the context of faith changed my life. Mm. And changed the way that I view the world and other people and how I and changed my relationships with other people. I remember having just terrible conversations with friends, like some of my friends who weren't Christian, 
growing up about like cultural identity and just it was bad <laughs> because because I came out of like you know like we came out of a very Christian culture and I grew up with just going like Jesus is my identity like that was it you know and mm-hmm. that created a lot of tension and conversations I had with friends and so I remember once I was able to like grasp more of what it uh, what my identity meant for me, my culture and ethnic identity, and, you know, talking about those things in the context of faith, I've realized, like, where I was wrong. <laughs> mm. I I actually apologized to some of my friends, you know, mm. after understanding that better. And so mm. getting back to the question, basically, like, we don't address any of these things in our church context. I mean, maybe some churches do it better now. I don't know. It's been a while since I've been in a Hmong church. But I, I wanted the book to be a companion for people mm. we we do try to make clear that this is like an ongoing process and journey and hopefully this book can help guide you in that and yeah so i think i you know i want the book to be a companion i want the book to be to be something that can help people feel seen and mm. heard and uh name maybe some of the experiences that they're having that maybe that they don't really understand mm-hmm. and that those things are important too to our faith yeah i think that's for like the Hmong Christian community, that's what I hope for, that it would just be a helpful resource for them. Mm. Especially if they don't feel like they have spaces where they can talk about some of those things. And then I also hope that, I think for the wider Hmong American community, and this is coming out of what I hope for the, for Hmong Christians, is that I hope that just increased awareness in this can help bridge any kind of like gaps or dissonance that the Hmong Christian community and Hmong the wider Hmong community might have. Mm. I hope that it will like bring more partnership, like more solidarity, right? Because um, mm. I know like not a lot of churches, they're not very vocal about like social issues, but I do feel like the Hmong community is. And mm. it, it would be great to see more Hmong Christians step in mm-hmm. to doing that. And then I also hope that we can begin to see Christianity as part of Hmong narrative. Hmong mm. culture mm. that's not just like a Western religion, that maybe we can open up more of the conversation of how does the Christian faith fit into the Hmong community and how does the Hmong community transform how we express our Christian faith? Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we don't, I don't really touch on that in the book very much. I, I do a little bit in the um, religious diversity chapter that I write. But that's a personal hope of mine uh, because that's my experience. I think that those are my hopes. I Yeah, I appreciate what you said about that Christianity is part of the Hmong narrative and that our narrative is like can influence and impact and form the way we express and understand Christianity. Mm-hmm. Like I really, I just, I agree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a long time coming and... Yeah, I don't know what it takes to, for Hmong people to see Christianity as part of the Hmong narrative. That still seems very radical, <laughs> I think, to me sometimes when I say it. But yeah, I hope that we could, I don't know, come together a lot better than we did before. Like, it, 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 still, it still feels very divided to me, like the Christian mm. and non-Christian community. I, I don't really know if I could put it into words, but it just feels like that hurts us a lot mm-hmm. as a community. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think this book like you said earlier, is going to hopefully open up conversations that in the Hmong church we've not had before. And part of that is access. Part of that is 
being educated in the Western world, you know, in the Western perspective and not being able to think about our stories and our identity in that way. But we've been erased even within the Christian community, whether it's the, the, the wider Asian American community or whether that's like just in a white world. You know, there's there's many layers to that that we can talk mm-hmm. more about. But I think, you know, like you said earlier, this book is going to hopefully help that process and help us to think more, especially as like we disciple both the next generations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really liked what you said about um, with understanding like Hmong American Christianity beyond maybe like what we've kind of grew up with. Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting is that like, I don't know, maybe this is me, but this might be the first time I maybe kind of like, this is this Hmong American Christian experience is in like an Asian American Christian book along Mm -hmm. with other voices and other stories. Mm -hmm. But it's like, oh, like if I, if I were to go back and be like, if I saw a Hmong (laughs) story uh, in an Asian American, first, I don't think I would even pick up an Asian American Christian book Mm -hmm. as like an old me <laughs> uh in Hmong church right because like you know you were told very specific books right or very yeah. specific things and so I don't know there's just something interesting or like oh like in other outside of the Christian world like Hmong, Amer- Hmong Americans can identify themselves in Asian American in Asian America but there's yeah. like a there's still like a dis- disconnect or dissonance between mm-hmm like Hmong American Christians and Asian American Christians. Uh Mm -hmm. So there hasn't been quite a thing. So I'm like, oh, I think this might be the first time I'm kind of seeing it kind of like come together. Yeah. Yeah. I could be wrong, but that's just that for me. So I thought that was really interesting. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because usually it's just like a story about Hmong people or like a paragraph Mm -hmm. or like an interview with a Hmong person that's added on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the other thought I had too was – Actually, something you said about, like, not picking up a book by an Asian American, you know, the old version of you, right? Like, before you grew and, you know, accepting <laughs> yeah. that part, part of you. Um, but... I, I experienced more things outside <laughs> of a certain context. <laughs> Young Ashley, yeah. Um, but it, it does make me think about, you know, as much as I do want this book to be a helpful resource for Hmong American Christians... It's also the part where uh, the reality is, will they pick up this book? Will they read mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. Um, because I'm not like, I'm not famous <laughs> to Hmong American Christians, right? Like, <laughs> people don't know me. Not um, yet. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not famous. I'm not like a, a recognizable name. And also, I do find like, actually, what you mentioned, like there are certain people we're supposed to be reading and not mm-hmm. read as Christians. Hmong mm-hmm. American Christians are really good at communicating that sometimes so mm-hmm. yeah it's possible Hmong American Christians are gonna be a lot more critical of me yeah mm-hmm. for a number of reasons yes and they may disagree with some things I wrote in there and sometimes that was scary too you know mm. um just because the Hmong community is not it's not big either right like yeah. it's big but it's not big like yeah. we we're gonna hear stuff and talk and you know all those things like we hear about it right so <laughs> so yeah it was I don't know like will people read my book I don't know maybe they'll read it Maybe they might be more critical because of certain biases or because they view me a certain way or whatever. I have no idea, like, how people are going to enter into the book. To be honest, that's kind of scary, you know? Because, mm. uh, like I said, you know, the monk community is not that big. We're also but, not 
that nice either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, what? What is that going to do for like? Y'all seen Facebook? You guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're we're critical. Um, but also like, you know, what does that do for for my reputation and my work and what I do? You know. Yeah. Um, I don't feel like I need to be in control of that. You know, like I've yeah. I'm learning to let that go. But that's also real. Like what people say yeah. about me or the book could influence other things yeah i've seen on facebook like a, you know some pastors have picked it up to read it uh like monk pastors and like other monk people i have no idea have mentioned you know like <laughs> they comment on other people's posts like oh yeah we're gonna read it whatever so uh, so it's kind of exciting but it was also yeah i was it freaked me out a little bit <laughs> i can i can only imagine right i'm not in your shoes but i mm-hmm. think that whatever they will say or talk about to me, a part of me is just like, at least they're having the conversation now, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and that in itself will impact and influence how they lead, how they have conversations, how they, you know, implement programs. Mm-hmm. Um, or at least it's like, at least if they didn't know, now they know. And now they have a different perspective or something that's challenging their their way of being, their way of doing ministry that they've always have. To me, it's like, yeah, go ahead and talk. We need to talk. <laughs> but I think it's good. And I think that mm-hmm. I'm excited. Similar, like what you said earlier about the hopes. I'm excited for, for all that and to see what can yeah. come from from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely been a mix of fear and excitement. But then I I did notice that I was anticipating just the potential of what this book could do. I hope that it will invite conversations and, mm-hmm. but yeah, but I do hope that people will give it a chance and they'll read it and yeah. um, gain something out of it. Yeah. Well, thank you, La, for, I know you've been like doing a lot of interviews. I don't know if you're like completely done with interviews about the book, but um, just really appreciate you taking the time to go even deeper um, on the BTSS podcast and, allowing us to like ask you even more questions and sharing more about it and um for those of you out there who haven't ordered the book yet order the book learning our names um you can find it on the ivp website or you know all the different websites that you can order the book from and i'm sure la would love to know what your thoughts are and how this book impacted you so feel free to reach out to her and like share with her your thoughts um yeah get the book and we hope that you'll learn and grow from it and process it with your community your small groups your friends thank you for joining us today if you enjoy your time with us please don't forget to subscribe rate and leave us a review to stay up to date follow us on instagram at bts podcast see you in our next episode